Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of uh, the No Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler, Florida State beat writer with the Tallahassee Democrat, here with Antoine Staley, also Tallahassee Democrat. And Antoine, it's a uh, pretty special episode today. We got uh, Florida State head football coach Mike Norvell on for an exclusive interview. So that's uh, definitely an episode worth listening to. Yeah, uh, we had him for uh, uh, about 15 minutes or so. Yeah, definitely uh, appreciated us, appreciated us this time to uh, talk with us about what's going on during the off-season program, a little bit of tour duty, also uh, some of the new transfer recruits that's come in, and also about some of the prospects that also returned for 2021 as well. So we definitely hope y'all enjoy that interview, and yeah, I definitely had a good time doing it. Yeah, no doubt. No. We appreciate Coach taking the time. I mean, he's a he's a busy man. So anytime we can get him all to ourselves, we will uh we will definitely be be quite happy about that. So uh, we'll we'll pass on to that interview now. We'll come back on the other side. We'll probably talk a little Florida State football schedule that came out last week. Uh, signing day with signing class, the the national signing day. I mean, adding only one player, but talk about what the class looks like now, and probably talking some uh some more unfortunate Florida State basketball news as well so we'll uh we'll be back on the other side of that interview we'll, we'll jump right in i know your time is very much of the essence i'm sure you're a busy man right now i guess i mean you've had now what i i, I month month and a half i guess to reflect back on the first season at fsu i guess what are kind of what do you think what are the lessons that you kind of learned from year one here well you know that was a uh, as we were going through this this past season yeah there's so many uh, unique circumstances that presented themselves and, uh, you know, just the, uh, truly trying to build the foundation of, you know, who we are, what we're about, you know, how, uh, how we are going to approach and respond, uh, to whatever comes our way. And, um, you know, played a lot of young players that were able to, to gain, uh, you know, valuable experience. But, you know, uh, we, we had to establish, you know, the, our, overall approach and, and unity as a team and you know to to develop the, the work ethic that's that's necessary to to be able to to go out there and, and achieve the things that we desire um you know i was really pleased you know especially in the back half of this uh, of the year um you know with the adversity that showed up with missing games having games canceled um you know really just the the overall mindset that our guys brought uh, to practice and i thought that um you know it's kind of given us a lot of confidence you know even coming Coming out of the last game, um, you know, getting off to a good start, facing some adversity, but then being able to respond and, uh, you know, finish the game, you know, the, uh, you know, together. And that, uh, you know, that, those experiences have really, I think, brought our team together in, in how they, um, you know, how they work, you know, the way that they practice. And it's given us a lot of momentum here in the offseason. Uh, and they've done, done a good job of, uh, you know, having that mindset, you know, here early in our winter program. And so it was a, um, it was a tough year and challenging year for everybody. But, uh, you know, I think some great lessons were learned. Uh, when you talk about your team last year, it seemed like they made a lot of strides between January and March, uh, just kind of with the off-season program. But once everything shut down, it was kind of hard to uh, replicate that. How, how excited are you just to go through a full off-season with your team, especially with uh, Coach Storm? Uh, we're, we're extremely excited, and you know, even you know, going into our fourth week, I mean, we've seen some great strides already. And you know, there's still still challenges and still adversity that's shown up. That's uh, you know, kind of thrown off our schedule just a little bit uh, you know, early in this in the winter program but um you know it's it's good to get everybody uh you know you know back and kind of heading in the heading in the right direction knowing that uh, you know, not only do we are we going to get a full you know winter conditioning program but uh you also you know the, looking forward to spring practice and and a full summer i mean all those things that um that you almost take for granted you know you know, year in and year out uh you know we we see how much we we appreciate those opportunities for growth and development and 
um, you know, these guys, uh, you know, they, they've embraced it. Um, you know, Coach Storms, you know, he, he does a remarkable job with them. And uh, you're seeing bodies continuing to change, especially, you know, guys that are still, still you know, extremely young in their in their college career. Um, you know, they, they're doing a nice job of, of what we're asking. And, uh, you know, their, their bodies are reaping the benefits. Uh, I mean, you talked about missing spring. I mean, that's going to be tough no matter what on any team. It's not something you ever kind of expect to have happen. But I'm sure especially so for kind of the, the brand new coaching staff, kind of implementing new schemes on both sides of the ball, especially challenging missing out on, what, 80% of last year's spring. Do you Are there a couple groups or areas of the team, areas of the depth chart, that you think could will really benefit from, I mean, a, a complete intact spring? It may not be normal, but it should at least be complete. I mean, I think, I think all, every position, you know, with, when it comes to not only, um, you know, the, the confidence of, of, you know, the schemes that these guys are going to be asked to, to have and to run and, um, you know, being able to, to have some carryover from this, from this last year, but also just uh, being able to, to have a focus on the fundamental work, uh, you know, continue to, to improve and, and compete at every position. And, you know, that's the thing that I'm, probably most excited about is just the competition that we've been able to add um you know with some of the transfers with some of these you know young you know freshmen that are going to have an opportunity to be sophomores and uh you know just the overall growth of of where they are um you know that's going to add a lot of competition to each position and uh, you know here in spring ball um you know getting a chance to see those guys uh, you know, go out every day and and uh you you earn the opportunity to play and uh, that's something that uh, um you know, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a, a great spring for us, and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing our guys uh, continue to grow. Uh, you you got plenty of new people and new players to your tour of duty and your roster. Uh, what notice? What differences have you noticed this year compared to last year? Especially with you know a lot of your players already knowing what to expect um, from that tour of duty uh, program. Well, I mean, I think they're, they're embracing it. There, there's an excitement, uh, you know, a, a real energy, uh, to the workouts. I mean, these guys, it's, it's not a secret. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. Um, but you know, the attitude that they're coming in the door with is, is something that I've been, uh, really pleased with. Uh, you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, have a great focus of, uh, you know, being more efficient movers and not only, uh, the, the mental strain that's, uh, that's going to be presented as well as the physical strain, but making sure that we're, we're doing things, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's going to allow us to be better, uh, better football players and with our, with the fundamental movements, you know, making sure that, uh, we're working on, you know, all the details and, you know, having, having, sense of awareness of uh, of the things that we need to do to be to to you know move faster taking better angles you know uh, you know, making sure that our, we're playing with better pad level uh, all those things can be trained in just the base fundamental fundamentals of running and uh, you know, the, the drills that we ask these guys to do so uh, I've, I've been excited i think these i think there's a um a cohesiveness within our team, you know, even the new guys that are, that have just joined, uh, you know, whether it's freshman or transfer, I mean, they've, they've jumped right in and, uh, just brought a great energy to, to each one of our workouts. And, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure to see. The, the transfers you mentioned, I mean, obviously that's a, a big part of this, this signing class, bringing in a lot of guys with a lot of experience, I guess in their first, what, month or so, how have you seen them kind of balance? Obviously there's probably a natural sense of leadership they might step into, being guys who have so much experience in college football, but also kind of they're still getting to know their teammates. How have you seen them kind of balance or maybe help them through that? No, I mean, that's, uh, I think they've, they've all, and, you know, kind of like I just you know, mentioned, is they've, they've embraced their opportunity to, to, to grow in, grow in relationships and to get to know their teammates, uh, you know, who they are, what they're about. Um, you know, and anytime you enter a new place or a, a new, uh, new team or situation, uh, you know, there's going to be some nerves that are involved and, uh, you know, these guys, uh, you know, they really come in and, um, you've know, been open with their time and, you know, what they're doing, not only at the facility, but away from the facility, getting to, getting to build those relationships that are, that are critical. And, um, you know, the, the leadership aspect, you know, I, I didn't, you know, even when I brought these, you know, guys in, uh, through the recruiting process, you know, I didn't ask any, you know, any of them to come in and, um, you know, you know, be the vocal leader or, you know, to, 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 to take on a role to anything more than just being the best example they can be you know we're gonna we're gonna have a standard of how we work and what we do and um you know these guys you know they they, they all aspire to be great and uh, you know 
for us, that leadership is going to show up of who's willing to make the investment and the, and the commitment to, to doing the little things of what what allows or puts you in the best position to achieve greatness. And uh, you, I think you know not only the newcomers, but um, you know guys that are, are returning within the program. Uh, you know, there, there's a, an excitement to to be an example and to show that uh, that type of leadership with more action than really any words. Uh, with McKenzie, I know, uh, he got a, uh, really good update recently. Just, can you talk about how much he's been able to do from what you've seen and just the impact that he's made really on the field, but also off of the field too, just, uh, with some of your players? Yeah, you know, McKenzie's been, uh, you know, he's been a full participant, you know, in the first couple of weeks, you know, we'll bring him along and, uh, you're waiting for that, uh, I guess that final clearance, but, uh, it's, it's been great, you know, seeing him out, you know, running, uh, being with the guys, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, he's definitely probably had some, some muscle soreness just in a, in a sense of, uh, you know, the, the running that he's been doing and, uh, but, you know, he's doing a, an incredible job and, you know, he's, uh, you, you can see, uh, you know the things that 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 I witnessed. You know, as as a competitor against him, um, you can see you know why he is who he is, and uh, the 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 investment that he makes in people, uh, the mindset, the approach. You know, has extremely positive attitude. Um, you know, it's what's allowed him to come back from this injury and uh, to be able to to do this to do the things that he's doing now is because of just the the mindset of. of you know, what he brought to every day in his rehabilitation. But um, I'm really excited about the, the teammate that he's that he's showing himself to be and, and the work that he's putting in. I know the uh, the window isn't closed yet. Obviously closed out, I guess, with the high school guys yesterday, but the transfers could still go on over the next couple of months. And offensive linemen could be something that's considered there and, and, and then still may be uh, added over the coming months. But what's it say about the group that you have come back? I mean, bringing back the entire starters, that there isn't, the the desperate need to add that transfer lineman that maybe there was a year ago and just how how excited are you about the progress of that offensive line unit? You know, I'm I'm really excited about the you know the the growth that we've seen, but also the potential that's there. And you know, you you mentioned you know last year you know, we brought in uh, Devante and you know he came in and did a remarkable job. Uh, you you leading up to to the to the the day that he got injured, I mean, he was, he was, you know, probably playing as, as good as anybody up front for us. And, um, you know, just his versatility and really the leader that, that he was, uh, for that group. But, uh, you know, seeing, seeing that those young guys and how they've, you know, how they've embraced, uh, you know, the training, how they've embraced, uh, um, you know, the unity of, of, of what it is to, to, to be, uh, you know, an offensive line group, which I think is one of the greatest groups in, in all of football. Um, you know, they're really coming together and they're pushing each other in, in, in all aspects. Um, you got guys like Babyon Johnson, who's been around for a long time, Brady Scott, um, you know, that are, you see, you see them, uh, you know, taking their, taking their game to, a, to another level. And, you know, it's really being pushed by a lot of the young talent that we have. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm excited about that group. You know, there's obviously a potential that, they, that we could add to that group as well. But, you know, for us, you know, we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, you know, take a, uh, you know, uh, take a chance in, in bringing somebody in that doesn't fit, uh, you know, what we're looking for. And, uh, you know, if there is the right fit, the right opportunity, um, you know, then, and obviously that's something we're gonna, we're gonna definitely explore. But, uh, but I'm, I'm excited about that group and what the future is gonna be. Uh, last year you weren't you weren't able to take the spring booster tour, and um, this year has been modified. Just just talk about how you've been able to connect with the booster since uh, taking the FSU job, and how's the modified tour going, and how is, why is it important to talk to these boosters? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been unique and, uh, you know, coming in in the first year and not really getting, um, a chance to, to get out in front of, you know, all the boosters. And, uh, um, but I, I will tell you that, uh, it, we have a special group of, of supporters that, I um, mean, it's, it, it's incredible the reception that, 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 that I've had, my family, uh, really in all aspects and, you know, at least, now getting to to have a, a modified approach to um, you know be able to to get get around a, a lot of our boosters. It's been um, it's been good, and we've tried to do as as much as we could uh, through virtual meetings. And we we were able to do that throughout the course of the spring. Um, you know, you know, obviously the, the fall was, was unique in itself as well, but, uh, um, but I'm definitely excited about continuing to, to build those relationships. And, uh, you know, there's a, a great deal of excitement and buzz around our program and, uh, the things that, that we're doing and, uh, and the things that we need to do, uh, to continue to, uh, you know, get to where we want to go. 
Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it's been a, a, a tough year, a weird year, as you mentioned. I, I mean, in college athletics as a whole, the uh, the, the football-only facility is something that I would say it's just it's the way it seems like college football is going with a lot of programs having that, I guess. That's been something that has been a while in the making here. Just, I guess, what can you speak to any update on where that's at? And I guess any input you and Chief of Staff Bruce Warwick have kind of had in the existing plan since you took over? You know, you know, we're excited about the future of our facilities. Uh, we know that there's uh, there's things that need to be done. Uh, it's uh, you know coming in. Uh, you know, Ad Coburn and I, you uh, got a chance to to visit, and um, you really went through the this first year, just kind of getting a sense of um, you know where where we are and the things that um, you know we can do to um, you know, be more efficient with the, as a program and continuing to to. to to build and advance, you know, what we're trying to do and accomplish. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited about how those conversations have gone and, um, you know, we're, we're definitely you know, headed on the right track. Uh, you know, it's been great with the administration and, and the addition of, um, of Michael Alford as, as, uh, to the Seminole boosters. I mean, you know, the division and plans that, uh, that he has as well. Uh, it's going to be a collaborative effort. And, you know, there's certain things that, uh, that, that I believe are, are a necessity for, for what we, uh, you're, for where we're going and what we want to accomplish. And, uh, you know, there's, there's great support, uh, for, for those things. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, continuing to, to get down the road with that and, uh, you know, excited for what the future is going to be. Uh, we we appreciate the time, Coach. We'll uh, we'll let you go. We know you've got a lot on your plate right now, but thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. I appreciate you guys and go Knowles. Right, thank you. And we're back here now after the interview with uh, Coach Norvell. I mean, it, it was an interview. It was a uh, it was 15 minutes. It was pretty compact, but I would say it was a lot of uh, information to break down in that. 15 minutes i mean like we talked about before a lot that went i mean the the tour of duty talk the off-season talk looking ahead to spring talk the the new guys kind of some positional things some specific player things so i guess what what was was there one thing or maybe a, a couple things that really stood out to you from looking back at the interview now yeah for me it was just talk about the strides that the team made uh this offseason and also kind of uh, what their bodies are starting to look like from the condition and the duty and also, uh, them getting, uh, acclimated to that, some of the new players and also some of the players that came back from last year and how they're, uh, addressing it too. So I'm definitely, uh, that stood out to me also, uh, Mackenzie Milton, uh, what Norville talked about how, uh, yeah, they, they're not trying to push him yet. They're trying to get that last, uh, green light for him. And, but also the the impact that he's making thus far early on, and it seems like he's making a really big impact. So, so those are the two things that really stuck out to me while talking to Norvell. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think especially when you talk about Mackenzie Milton, I, the, he 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 said, I mean, it seems like there's one kind of last hurdle they want him to clear, and they're definitely scaling him back slowly. But it seems like he hasn't, I mean, had any setbacks. I mean, I know that I think his mom put out a while ago that he's been fully cleared by his doctors up there. So it's a uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a situation where I would say it seems like a best-case scenario, and from what I know, it's definitely a situation where you weren't sure he'd even be able to get here, so it's pretty remarkable, to, I mean, for him to be here and, and be maybe even ahead of schedule in terms of it seems like he might be full go for spring, which is pretty crazy to think about and really significant for uh, for this team. But yeah, I was just going to say, uh, this created a lot of excitement, especially uh, when you start spring practices and obviously – uh, the spring game, whatever that looks like, uh, later on. But yeah, I definitely think it's, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely optimistic. Uh, seems like he's very optimistic about where Milton's gonna be at, um, moving forward. And I think that's exciting to hear, especially with a lot of transfer players coming here. And I think you're gonna see some, you know, higher expectations of Florida State. I don't know where they're gonna finish. I'm sure we're gonna talk about the schedule in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I definitely think, uh, having him under center and, uh, competing is definitely uh, going to bring a different type of energy to this Florida State team this upcoming year. No, I mean, totally. And I think I, he talked about a little, too, how, how important a full offseason in, in Josh Storms, the director of football strength and conditioning's program, will be. I mean, the, they got a full tour of duty last year, but a full spring practice, because they only got three spring practices last year, all of that, I think, is going to be huge for them. I mean, heading into 
what what should be a really interesting and very important 2021 football season. And we can uh, look at that schedule now. It came out, what, last uh, Thursday? We're recording this Thursday, so I guess a week ago it, it, it came out now. And it's a uh, – what was your immediate read looking at the schedule, Antoine? Well, for me, I was thinking, okay, the, you know – the front, the front hand of the schedule, you're like, okay, I, they can't handle this. It's not. I mean, obviously, you start out with Notre Dame, but I think beyond that, I definitely think it's some potential there to get some wins there. Or even if you lose the Notre Dame game, you're like, okay, I think they could get off to a really, really good start there. To be honest with you, looking at their schedule, uh, you got Jacksonville State after Notre Dame, Wake Forest, Louisville, and Syracuse. So, and I mean, four of the five at home. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Yeah. A lot of those are at home too, outside of the Wake Forest game. So I definitely think it's a potential to get off to a good start. I, mean, I, I don't want to necessarily do the wins and losses thing too early, but yeah, I definitely think potentially there. But then after that, then um, it gets kind of a little murky there, where you got North Carolina, you got you got the homecoming game against UMass um, in between that and Clemson, and then it gets pretty brutal after that. You got Clemson, NC State, Miami. Uh, Boston College, they've had some quality teams there in the end of the season against, on the road against Florida. So I think it's vital for them to get off to a really, really good good start uh, this upcoming year because that back half of the schedule is really uh, kind of murderous road there for FSU. Yeah, I mean, if this is going to be a year where Florida State gets back to being bowl eligible, I mean, I guess I, we should start by saying the caveat of hopefully this stays the final schedule. Obviously, this time last year we got a schedule that then had to be changed over the summer where they only played the, what, the the 10 ACC games, 11 games total, and actually Florida State only played eight ACC games. They lost two just because of the circumstances. So obviously the hope is it, it is the schedule is able to stay intact and we don't have to kind of deal with what we did last year because that would be unfortunate for a number of reasons. But, I mean, you're right. I think you look at if this team's going to get back to bowl eligibility, they're going to have to do it in the front half of the season. I mean – you, you look at, I mean, like we said, for the first five at home, I, I, they're going to be favored against Jacksonville State, maybe favored at Wake. I mean, that's a toss-up. Quite possibly favored at home against Louisville, definitely favored at home against Syracuse. I mean, if they start out winning at least three of those games, I think you feel decently well, good. Four, you, I think you feel real good about their bowl chances. But, yeah, I mean, after that, North Carolina, you're not counting to win that, especially because it's a road game. You're counting on UMass. So if you were then at five wins, then you would only have to win one of Clemson, NC State, Miami, Boston College, and Florida, which I think they will. Don't think it's Clemson. I don't think it's Florida. I wouldn't. Miami's not the likeliest, although I think they could beat Miami, especially, I mean, we'll see what both teams look like that late in the season. But, I mean, NC State at home and at Boston College both seem like – quite winnable games i mean because the the thing it it's not the florida state standard historically it, it is pretty weird to be looking at the schedule saying are there six wins or looking at a, a florida state football schedule and saying are there six wins but that's most definitely the case this year but uh i i mean you look at the we knew the notre dame game was going to be on that sunday night they're going to kind of get that individual spotlight being a game on a night where i don't think there's going to be any other game i can't imagine at Duke campbell stadium it's a weird situation i mean obviously you're taking on a team that is coming off a playoff appearance, that is going to be very talented than you, and is going to be a, a decent-sized favorite probably in that game, even though it's on the road for them. But it's also a yeah, Notre Dame I... team that's replacing nearly its entire offensive line, a quarterback, a multi-year starter at quarterback, a lot of receivers, a major tight end, players on defense. I mean, I'm not by any means saying I'm picking Florida State to win that game, but... If ever there was a year to play Notre Dame and to do it in the first game of the year, this is that year because they're they're not going to be kind of clicking at at full power yet in game one when they have to replace so much off last year's team. Yeah, the, the beauty of uh, college football is there's no preseason. At least uh, you don't get a typical preseason like you do at the NFL. So, yeah, you're coming in. A lot of these, lot of so many changes for a lot of different teams, uh, their rosters, and yeah, you don't know what to expect. You don't know how these players are going to play against some uh, another opponent that they have not seen yet. They're not, I mean, they're prepared for it, but uh, yeah, once you get in that moment, you have no idea. And yeah, you you hit, hit, hit it right there on the hit on the nail. 
Notre Dame has had a lot of changes, a lot of transition. They still have a lot of very talented team, obviously, that's going to return. And I expect them to be uh, ranked pretty highly once the rankings do come out for that game. But, yeah, I, I, I think if you want to play Notre Dame, this is the time to do it early on in the season where they're going to be still trying to find their chemistry because – I think later on in the season, yeah, they're going to be they're probably they're going to be a lot better team as the season goes on, as opposed to starting out week one uh, of the season. So, yeah, I I agree, I completely agree with it. It wouldn't I would not be shocked if FSU won. I wouldn't. I'm not saying they are going to win, but it would have totally surprised me. Uh, yeah, if you get that, and I think that's a, definitely a huge momentum builder there, uh, especially on the Sunday night. And, and by the way, yeah, I know some fans aren't. I got an email about. Uh, the game being on a Sunday and somebody wasn't, some people wasn't happy about that. I mean, I think it's a great showcase for FSU and Notre Dame to be playing on a day where that's probably going to be the only game played on the schedule. So I think it's great for Notre Dame. I think it's great for FSU. It's not going to be in the NFL that Sunday. And I think it's um, going to be a really, really good contest too as well. Well, the truth is some fans, and I'm sure some media members, myself included, probably getting a little PTSD from the uh, first game of the Willie Taggart era, the Monday night game against Virginia Tech at Doak Campbell Stadium, where, again, it was, here's the spotlight. All these eyes are going to be on Florida State, and they were not lethally simple on offense, and they were not war daddies and badasses on defense, as we were told they were going to be, and they lost 24-3, and it maybe wasn't even that close, debatably. So there's probably a little of, and and it's fair to say, I think, questioning if Florida State's ready for that stage and the worry of, I mean, with how some of these games went this year, the Notre Dame game, not nearly as much as a lot of them. I mean, they played Notre Dame fairly competitively relative to some other games, which is, I mean, wild to say against a playoff team. But yeah, I think there's definitely a sense of fans saying, I feel better about the direction this is going in, but I also am not ready for my team to kind of get that sole spotlight against a great team. But I mean, I think we agree. What a statement that could be. I'm not sure I'd pick it yet. We can actually, we'll go through in a second. We'll pick early. It's very early, but game by game, we'll do predictions. We'll, we'll do, we'll get our records for this point in the season, but it's a chance for a, a major, major statement early in the year in Mike Norvell's second year that is going to be critical for him to kind of show progress. Yeah, I think when, especially when you have all these um, veteran players that you bought in through the transfer portal there and, I'm sure they're gonna. It's gonna bring some new energy there, new expectations on their part too. And you combine that with the talent they already have on the roster. Yeah, they have some uh, weaknesses and some things they need to show up too. But a lot of those players, as we talked about many, many times, FSU had a very young team last year, and now you return some of those players that've gotten to play in time and got gotten their feet under them. And I'm sure they they have a bad taste in their mouth, even though they ended the season well against Duke. But uh, obviously, no, the last year didn't go the way any in plan. So you get another year under your belt there. You make some new additions too as well. Second year under Norvell, you get more as normal, much normalcy as you can uh, during this pandemic, whatever that's going to look like uh, moving forward too as well. And yeah, I definitely think, I really, like I say, I really think they have a chance to get, get some surprises on the schedule and get some upsets too as well. It wouldn't surprise me. I know um, obviously, when the schedule came out and I wrote the article, people were talking about, "Oh, well, this is this is a four-win team." Then I was like, "They're gonna they're gonna upset somebody. I don't know who it is. And maybe it's Notre Dame. Uh, maybe it's Miami. Maybe it's NC State. Uh, but I have a feeling that they're probably gonna get somebody, and it's probably gonna be at Doe Campbell uh, when they do it." I mean, we we saw I think what we what we both expect to be. A, a worse team than the team we're going to see this this upcoming year, this past year, beat North Carolina at home. And that was a very good North Carolina team. Probably, top to bottom, I would say maybe debatably a better North Carolina team that's going to be this year in terms of, I mean, they're losing those 2,000-yard rushers. They're losing a couple major receivers. I mean, North Carolina's still going to be very good. I'm not by any means saying they're going to take a huge step back. But on paper, that team, I think, that Florida State just beat is more talented than the one they're going to play on the road this year. So, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Let's let's go. We'll go game by game. Let's see. I mean, obviously, we might revisit this over the summer. I think we might have a little more perspective after spring practice. But let's go game by game here. So we're looking at Notre Dame. I although I again, we're not going to get into win shares and all that. We easily could. Although I could see Florida State winning this game. I'm not picking that at this standpoint. I'm saying it's a Florida State loss. 
Yeah, I am too. I'm I'm going to go to St. Ralph for now and then say they're going to lose that game too as well. I, I, this this could be a possible article. article we, I mean, article we could do later on. But, yeah, I think, like I say, I may revisit this. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with um, FSU lost there um, against Notre Dame. I don't want to assume for you, but are you picking them to beat Jacksonville State for the second straight year? Yes, I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's that game on the schedule. I should say one of a couple games because – UMass is probably not much better of a team than Jacksonville State, if we're if we're being a hundred percent honest. Uh, so then I guess week three at Wake Forest, September eighteenth. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick FSU. I I, I think um, assuming Mackenzie Milton starts and uh, looks anywhere close to the player that he was, and I, I like like I say I like the talent they have back in the backfield there. Uh, the offensive line certainly made strides too last year. I, I think I think it'll be a close game. Uh, obviously, Wake Forest under Dave Coulson is always a well-coached team there. Uh, I expect if they had played last year, I expected it to be a close game, and I thought FSU had a chance to win there. Obviously, the game didn't happen. Uh, I definitely think uh, Florida State has a chance to pick up the win this year too, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'll pick them in a very very close game. We we agree again. I, I'm taking Florida State in this game. I mean, maybe I'm buying into. Defensive improvement that, I mean, obviously we haven't seen any evidence of yet just because how would we have at this point, but I think the defense will be better. I think Mackenzie Milton, I would expect him to be the starter and to make a difference, and I mean, I think you the talent around, uh, yeah, I think that they win this game and they have a, a winning record for the uh, for the first time in a while. I would have to look at the last time that happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that, and I guess we go to the Louisville game too as well. And it's the Louisville team uh, end up being right last year, and uh, the kind of the bottom just kind of fell out, especially defensively too. There, uh, I, I, I think they could potentially beat Louisville too. I know they uh, had a, they struggled against the Cardinals last year, and uh, everything just kind of got away from them there too as well. But I, like I say, with the new additions coming back, uh, especially offensively, Louisville has had problems stopping a lot of different teams. Uh, I expect that that probably be somewhat of the case next this year too as well. I, I like I like Florida State at home too. Like, I I just kind of like the like I like I guess I'm buying what they're selling, so I definitely gotta um, take FSU to pull out the victory there against a I, I assume a Cardinals a potent Cardinals offense, but a questionable Cardinals defense. Well, yeah, I mean. The Louisville defense, no doubt, is is questionable. I think they were better by the end of this past season, but I, still, I don't, I wouldn't classify them as as good. And I think you look at Louisville, another team that loses a good bit more on offense than than Florida State does. I mean, obviously, Tamorian Terry is a big loss, but Florida State, you could make the case, didn't ever ha- very had a hundred percent Tamorian Terry for a very small portion of this past season. I mean, but you look at them with the losing. I mean. JV and Hawkins with with losing, I mean, so much skill position talent. Malik Cunningham is Malik Cunningham, and he's proven to to be a a good quarterback. I'm not sure I would go so far as anything more than good, but I think he's been a good quarterback for them, and at times great. But I, I I'm with you again. I I think Florida State. I would put this down as a win right now. Again, maybe we're just full on buying into the the Kool Aid, but it's I'm with you right now. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I guess we go to Syracuse there. Uh, Syracuse is one of the few teams that had a was really worse than Florida State um, as far as wins and losses last year. So how so how do you feel about the Orange coming in this year? I, I think that's definitely a win for me. Uh, just considering, I think uh, Florida State has gotten better, and I'm not sure if Syracuse has. Yeah, no, I I, I tend to agree with you. I think the big wasn't the big Syracuse addition was who is the grad transfer quarterback from uh, Mississippi State, right? Is it Garrett Schrader? Yeah. I think that was the big offseason addition. And, I mean, if you're comparing him to a uh, even maybe not quite 100% Mackenzie Milton, it's just there's a not- noticeable discrepancy there. So I, I agree. I think that's the, maybe the second or third game they're favored this year. But I think that's – I'd have that as win number four, and that's a, a four-game winning streak entering uh, – North Carolina, October 9th. Oh, so, so we both have four and one going into Chapel Hill. Uh, obviously, a North Carolina team, like you said, lost a lot. But the players that are there, I'm sure they definitely remember uh, losing that game against FSU and leaving uh, Tallahassee with a bad taste in their mouth. Obviously, Sam Howell is still going to return there. I expect him to be a Heisman Trophy 
candidate going into next year uh, too as well. And talking about North Carolina, uh, definitely one of the teams I think a lot of people are kind of pointing to to win the ACC Coastal next year too, despite all the losses. But yeah, I'm I'm probably going to pick a loss here just simply because um, I think Howell is going to be a little bit too much too as well. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if FSU were to keep it close for a little bit. But yeah, I'm definitely going to pick North Carolina, especially on the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It does bear mentioning, I guess, that Divisions are are set to be back for the ACC in 2021 after they weren't this past season. I think everyone was just in one conference and there weren't the division ties. And it was just the top two record teams. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree that I would take North Carolina over Miami to to win the Coastal this year. And I mean, that's I have to imagine a North Carolina team that's going to be quite motivated against that Florida State team after after last year. And I mean one of the few blemishes on a really strong season for the Tar Heels and that I yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm seeing the, the, uh, the winning streak end there in Chapel Hill. So we have, uh, so at the moment we have four and two now halfway through the season and then so, entering the bye week. Yeah. And in the bye week and then you have UMass after that. So I think we both take uh, UMass to win that. So five and two and in the clips. And I think, I think that's pretty as good as you can get. I mean, I think that's a pretty good scenario uh, for yeah. FSU uh, heading into the clips in there. Yeah, no, it's a brutal back half of the schedule that we'll we'll touch on, but I, it would be, I mean, it would be pretty devastating, and I would even say pretty unlikely if they got to five and two with those wins in the front half of the schedule that they would lose out. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening either. I think they, I think they at least. For me, I think they get two or two wins in the back half of the schedule. If they start, if they start off five and two, I think they get two of the wins there and, and the seven and the five. But yeah, I, obviously, I'm not going to pick Clemson to be one of those wins. Nope. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, I'll definitely take the Tigers, uh, especially on the road. Yeah, that's uh, well. You talked about motivation within, with with uh, North Carolina. I think Clemson's going to be motivated because the players and coaches sure seem to seem to feel that Florida State ducked them, even if science and COVID testing and everything else would indicate otherwise. They had their belief and it seems like they were pretty resolute about that. So yeah, I don't see that going very well for Florida State, regardless of those, the maybe extra motivation, but that sure won't help things. Yeah, I, I definitely, like I said, I thought it was a kind of a dislike for one school, well, both schools already anyway, but yeah, I think last year, especially with the COVID situation, kind of has taken it to a whole completely different level, especially when you got the coaches involved, too, as well. What, uh, so, I guess NC State then, November 6th, starting the final month of the regular season. I, hmm, I, I'm going to chalk this up as a win. I, I, I went back and forth a little on it. I tend to agree that I, I think they'll win – two games in the back half, and I think I think this this will be one of them. I mean, it's a, a definite maybe revenge game for FSU after after last year, and I think the team will be better again than the team they showed that night in Raleigh this past year. You, you could probably speak on this better than I can, but it always seems like, uh, for the most part, uh, NC State plays FSU really, really well. <laughs> um, especially yeah. up in Raleigh, yes, not as much in Tallahassee. Yeah, so, but, yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Uh, I I think I kind of, yeah, I, I'm going to go with North Carolina State as to be one of the wins, too, as well. Uh, I definitely, and the Wolfpack had an outstanding, I think, a year that I don't think a lot of people expected them to have last year. Um, it kind of surprised a lot of different people. So, but, yeah, I, I, I'm going to reluctantly take FSU here, uh, especially with the game being at home. Uh, so then Miami at home in Doak Campbell Stadium, November 13th. Uh, Miami handed Florida State one of the most lopsided games in the, in the history of the rivalry last year down in uh, Miami Gardens. And I don't think it will be nearly that lopsided this year. This is a game where Florida State could maybe stand to have this one earlier in the season because I think a big question for Miami entering the season is how is De'Eric King going to be coming off that torn ACL? It, supposing he's able to recover fine on the normal timeline, I would expect he'll have been back for some time by the time this game rolls around. I think I'm gonna take Miami close in this one. I actually gonna take I actually gonna take FSU in this one. I, I think I'm gonna take. Uh, I think they're gonna be really motivated, especially after what happened last year on uh, the embarrassment 
that went down. And I, I still have questions about Miami. I really do. I know uh, King really energized that fan base and really that team there, but uh, they, they had some big losses too as well. And I, I, I tend to kind of uh, lean towards the FSU in this one, but I do think it would be really, really close too as well. No, yeah, Miami absolutely has has problems. That is that is for sure. I no argument here. I mean, it'll be an interesting dynamic entering the year for Miami is going to be now with with Blake Baker gone. And I think even before Blake Baker, the defensive coordinator, left, Manny Diaz had said he was going to assume the defensive like play calling responsibilities. So I mean, he's a that's a a, a mighty big role to put on yourself. And if, if if it leads to improvement, I mean. Manny has historically been a very good defensive coordinator. That's great. But if, if things don't improve, then that, that is a risk that would not pay off for him. Yeah, I think you're trying to manage being the defensive coordinator and being the CEO at the same time. And some people can do it. Some people hadn't been able to do may do that same thing, too, as well. There's a lot of responsibility uh, with game planning throughout the course of the week, and you're trying to run a, the entire year in charge of the whole football staff and uh, development and programs, too, at the same time. So, yeah, it's gonna it's definitely going to be an instant to, to see if he can actually do all of that and have all that responsibility, too, as well. I, I, I just, yeah, I have like I said, I have some big questions about Miami heading into the year, for sure. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you can have Boston College on... Um, November the twentieth too as well. What are your thoughts there? Um, so if I if I went the Miami loss, I'm gonna take my odds on saying a Boston College road win. My it was kind of those were the toss up between. Notably, it's worth saying Boston College was definitely one of the most improved teams this past year. I mean, and I know Phil Jerkovich coming back for the at the quarterback. Jeff Halfley was really a revelation there, taking over for a longtime head coach before him, Steve Adazio. It's a uh, it's a risky pick, and it's far from a sure thing. I mean, might I also add, not a not a trip weather-wise that I'm sure head traveling to Boston in late November, Florida State is looking forward to, or anybody who's traveling up to cover that game is going to be looking forward to, because that will probably be some brutal weather. But I, I have Florida State winning, I think it's second straight game up there. They won in 2019. I think they, they do it again. Maybe I'll be interested to see. I guess if Boston College is able to build off the momentum of last year, or if that was like a first-year bump type thing that can't carry over. So yeah, I, that's why I have it flipped. Like I have them beat Miami, but then losing to Boston College because yeah, you kind of took. Uh, that's kind of my weather angle too as well. Like I, and also especially that time of the year, the weather could be maybe 50, 60 degrees and a nice day, but it could also be in the 30s and pretty brutal. There could and be snow. Uh, what to deal with there and also have to deal with some snow potentially too as well so yeah I, and also also the team on the field in both the college who was well coached and I think a lot better than a lot of people expected last year I think a lot of people expected to be among one of the bottom feeders at the LAACC that certainly was not the case too as well and I expect them kind of to be the same too well, probably a 7 or 8 win team there too as well very pesky uh, and kind of finish with about the same record as I spent for the state to finish with too as well. So yeah, I probably, I'm going to go with that as a loss, especially uh, considering it's on the road. So yeah, I'll definitely um, take BC in that one. No, oh, yeah. So then we both are at seven and four. Got there a little bit of a different way, but all, I guess all but two games the same. Entering the game at Florida to close out the year. I mean, obviously it's unfortunate for Florida State that we. Uh, the the uh, the Florida State I guess home game just got skipped in the rotation it would seem that this past year was supposed to be Florida State's home game against Florida and Clemson and missed out on both those and now has to play two straight road games against both but I understand it from a standpoint of Florida State is very intentional about having Miami and Florida home games in alternating years so that to you want each year's home schedule to be as enticing as possible to people looking to buy tickets so I understand why it's kind of stayed the way it is but yeah. it's obviously tough because i mean florida loses a lot but especially by the end of the year i mean dan mullen's truck record track record would tell you he's going to get that offense clicking even with as much as they have to replace yeah i, I definitely think um yeah they definitely they certainly have a lot of questions up well you look at the defensive side of the ball last year um that leader probably single-handedly kept them out of the playoffs that's how badly that's how badly they performed later on in the season. Because offensively, they were as good as anybody in the country um, up there with Alabama, to be completely honest. But yeah, their defense just couldn't make stops when at key moments. And 
you saw it against Alabama. You, you definitely saw it against Oklahoma when they uh, put they took it to them. So and yeah, you got Emory Jones, who I assume will be the starting quarterback there for Florida. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I imagine the offense will be fine. Um, probably won't be as potent as it was um, under Kyle Trask too. And obviously, you had Kyle Pitts there. Both are headed off to the NFL too. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think. Um, I'll pick I'll pick the Gators in this one just because it's it's on the road. But if there if it was in Tallahassee, I, I would definitely um be inclined. I would I would be tempted, very tempted to take FSU in this one. But yeah, be, it being on the road too, and I think Florida, like you kind of alluded to, is going to be clicking a little bit more as they uh, as opposed to what they would be early on in the season. Yeah, I definitely uh, I'll take the Gators in this one. Yeah, so I think we're both ended up. I'm with you. We're, I think we're both ended up at a. Seven and five, which I mean, obviously, I would say, and I'm sure you would agree, is not kind of the standard Florida State expects. But I mean, it would be, especially with, I mean, what some of those wins are, it would be a much better season than one they've had recently. I mean, it would be their most regular season wins since 2016. So it would feel like a major step in the right direction, which is something that's been sorely missing around the program, even if it's still not anywhere close to, I'm sure, where the fans and where the team want to get to. Yeah, take last year out of the equation, because it's just kind of a weird year for a lot of different reasons. But, yeah, I think uh, if you if you finish 75 in a year where if the schedule stays how it is, and like you said, it's subject to change, obviously, with anything nowadays with COVID and everything, but... If it stays like how it is, and you finish seven and five, and have a potential to get eight wins uh, with the bowl win, I think it's a step in the right direction, especially for Mike Norvell, and it helps them build that confidence and momentum carrying in next year. And then, and then I think you start to have that start to have that conversation about getting higher, higher expectations. You you have to you kind of have to crawl before you have to walk. And obviously, FSU was in a bad situation when Norvell came. Uh, the COVID situation certainly didn't help uh, for a lot of different reasons. Trying to get his program and put his stamp on the program. Uh, last year was a bit of a mess at times. Uh, like I say, not necessarily all uh, the coaching staff's fault. Just considering everything, and now you have a you go you be able to go through your offseason program. You know, with some normalcy. Like I say, it's still some limitations that they're having to deal with. But just trying to get back to what it would normally look like and. I think you, if you're able to have that opportunity to get the seven or eight wins, especially with a bowl win, I think, like I said, I think it's, that's a really good scenario for FSU and, like I say, a step in the right direction. Yeah, it would be a step in the right direction. It would be building momentum. I guess we can we can jump over now to a different area of the football team and talk recruiting. I mean, they're building momentum there. I mean, obviously they, they close out the uh, 2021 high school class at the very least. There might still be another transfer edition or two, but – they only signed one player yesterday, Destin Hill, the uh, suddenly the highest-rated member of FSU's 2021 class. I mean, a four-star receiver with true elite speed, but also I think uh, Norvell called him a complete receiver. It was not a busy day for FSU. It wasn't a busy day for just about anybody. I mean, it was. I mean, National Signing Day has been diluted so much by the early signing period, but I mean, it was a, a finish that moved FSU back into the top 25 of the class rankings, and those don't factor in transfers, obviously. So I think it was, I mean, it was a huge addition, no doubt. Yeah, so a team that really needed needed still some addition at the wide receiver position. We saw it last year uh, with this team with, you know, you know, like I say, they, they had a lot of young guys there, especially when Terry ended up leaving, and they weren't able to create that same separation, and that really put, you know, a hindrance on the passing game and uh, forced George Travis to make maybe try to make plays that maybe weren't necessarily there. Now you're you're able to address some of those wide receivers' concerns, whether it be uh, through the transfer portal and also uh, just do regular recruiting too as well. And yeah, I definitely think that was a, obviously getting a receiver as talented as him is definitely uh, was such a huge addition to the program. And yeah, I definitely think that yeah, it's a much needed it was a much needed step in the right direction and. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, think they they did a great job there. Like I say, getting to transfer and fill up some holes there. Where you talk about the receiver position, where you talk about defense, uh, also the tight end position too as well. So yeah, I love I love everything that they've done uh, at least so far too. And uh, we'll just see see how how it happens. Um, how it looks turning corn in the spring practices and also towards the game in the fall. Yeah, well, and, and a big thing too. 
the 2021 class, especially given the circumstances where no one was able to visit since March and won't be until at least, I think, April. They may have even been pushed back again, honestly. It, it was always a, a really tough circumstance for this staff and all the new staffs across the country. But I think where you're really starting to see results are in that 2022 class that Florida State has started assembling. I mean, Travis Hunter is a, a guy they got in on early who's now a five-star cornerback the, the number four player in the 2022 class overall. I mean, it, it's, it has been quite a while since Florida State landed a player of his caliber. And they obviously haven't landed him yet. They haven't signed him, that, and they won't be able to for at least 10 months. But he has, has he as he's blown up, I mean, a Clemson's gotten in on him. Other programs of that ilk have gotten in on him. And he put out a Twitter message, something to the effect of, too late. Of, of y'all were in on me late. Florida State got on, in on me early, and I'm going to be loyal to the one that was there before my, my star blew up. And, I mean, he is a huge piece to build around. They obviously added their A, 2022 quarterback this week, Nico Marchio out of Arizona. Interesting pipeline there with uh, with Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, and Norvell as well a little bit from his days at Arizona State. But, uh, I mean, Florida State, it is very early. There, that is a necessary caveat. But Florida State has five players in its 2022 class that ranks sixth best in the country and best in the ACC right now. Clemson, I'm sure, will make strides there. Plenty of other teams will too. But if there's real progress on the field, I think this class and what they were able to comp, what FSU staff was able to accomplish given the circumstances, speak to what what should be a, a staff that's able to recruit or looks like it will be able to recruit at the level it needs to, especially if those results start coming. Yeah, I definitely think, uh, like you say, you talked about Travis Hunter there, a quarterback too as well. And, yeah, I think that's a huge addition. Uh, obviously, somebody that's you know, a five-star recruit, it's not you're able to get a five-star recruit there um, is huge too as well. And, yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, I think that a lot of the criticism from fans uh, recently has been FSU hasn't been recruiting at the level that I think a lot of people have expected. But, you know, given the circumstances last year, obviously you talk about what happened on the field, but also just the changes in recruiting in general. I mean, that that, that certainly couldn't have helped uh, Mike Norvell and his staff and uh, things of that nature as well. But they were able to uh, kind of navigate it and, you know, do the best they could as far as recruiting and also adding a lot of quality transfers too in the process. But, yeah, um, it, like you said, it's early. Uh, anything, a lot of things can change, and I think they will, especially – depending on what happens on the field. But if they end up finishing with, like I say, with seven or eight wins, then they're getting these quality. They're still getting this momentum with the recruiting class, too, as well, and able to keep a lot of these guys. I, I expect um, them to have a pretty good class, too, as well. Maybe not on the level of maybe Alabama or, you know, you talk about a Clemson potentially, depending on what happens with the Tigers on the field. But, you know, if you, you're able to finish with a top-10 class, I think any if you're able to do that, I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I mean that, that that would be far closer to what kind of the the uh, the Florida State expectation. I mean, I, what I would say probably bodes well towards maybe being in that realm next year. And what hurt them this year is they took eight eight transfers of the twenty five commits they have so far, and those transfers don't count towards the uh, the class rankings just because I, it's a weird thing of how do you calculate a transfer versus a high school kid? Because I mean, eligibility remaining factors in things like that factor in so. I understand why you can't kind of compile those, but, I mean, Florida State's class is better than the 22nd best in the country just because eight transfers, all of them, I would say, expected to make instant impacts aren't factored into that. So, I mean, if if Florida State doesn't need to be so transfer-reliant next year, that bodes well towards signing a class more in that realm. So we'll uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on recruiting over the weeks and months to come. We can kind of end, I guess we're going to end on a a bit of a bummer, unfortunately, talking about... uh, more COVID issues for the uh, Florida State basketball team. Those popped up, what, Monday night, about less than, I want to say less than 24 hours before they were supposed to be playing at Boston College. It's uh, a really tough situation. I mean, obviously, Florida State already went through a shutdown of over two weeks earlier this uh, last month. It was in January. And here they are again now in early February going through another what's going to be a layoff of missing three games that are going to be postponed. We'll see if, if and when they're able to be made up. But it's another layoff, and I would say, as to where the Florida State definitely benefited some from the last layoff, I'm not sure they'll benefit nearly as much this time. No, I'm not either, because I feel like they, even though with Georgia Tech lost the side, 
I still feel like they had momentum uh, from that COVID loss, and they the players talked about it. They talked about it. they went back to bases to kind of uh, kind of did a reset and, and kind of understood what was not working, and uh, they were clicking on all cylinders for the most part. Like I say, other than Georgia Tech loss, but yeah, I felt like they really started to have to carry momentum, and I think they were gonna even after that Georgia Tech loss. You kind of I kind of felt like okay, they they had they had one of those um, kind of bumps in the road but you know you still felt like they were going to be all right uh and yeah now you talk about three like three games layoff and you know you got to play you're going to play wait for us on uh february 13th too as well and then right before that two days later you got you're facing virginia at home which is definitely not <laughs> i don't think it's ideal too there i'm sure they would have liked to have more games uh under their belt before facing virginia team there as well, um, I guess the bright side with that is at least you're not playing Virginia Tech. I mean Virginia right out the gates too, as well. You hopefully, know? yeah. Hopefully they're able to be back by February 13th. Unless they were to have more COVID issues, they should be. But yeah, I yeah. mean it's oh it, talk about. I mean it, it, talk about an even quicker escalation in terms of degree of difficulty from last time coming off the uh, COVID pods, which it wasn't easy that time. But it, this time, I mean, you get Virginia, and then I mean five days after the Virginia game. You got Virginia Tech coming to the tuck. Both of those are at home, obviously, so it's a bit of a saving grace. I mean, my thing is, I saw a bunch of people be like, in my mentions, after in the wake of this, kind of saying, oh, but look how well they handled the last pause. They came off on a, a five-game winning streak off of a COVID pause. That's great. We've seen so many other teams struggle coming off those pauses. Clemson, since it went on pause, hasn't been the same team. I mean, they're still not. I mean, they've just come back since. I mean, they, they got whooped by... Florida State, they got whooped by Duke, and Duke is, I mean, not Duke this year. It's not an especially good Duke team that, that just had Clemson's number and dominated them. You've seen that across so many other teams that have just, COVID positive struck, have made, have been just tough to come back from. I mean, you, Florida State, that first pause was great in terms of, I think they'd been struggling in those couple games. Two, they'd lost two of the three games going into that first pause, and I think really, Got to go back to the drawing board some during that pause. They don't need to do that, I don't think, right now. I think right now there's not as much drawing board time needed and more just probably, I would imagine, frustration of not getting to play because, I mean, they, yes, the Georgia Tech loss happened, but they were red hot before that and had a schedule that would have lined up to probably get a couple more wins these weeks, and now they are they're headed for another two-week layoff, but by the time it's over, and that's, I mean... It's it's tough on them. I mean, it's it's going to affect them in the polls again. It's going to affect probably their seeding in in March Madness projections. Is that fair? No, probably not. But it's been pretty standard that that's been the case this year, and it's understandable because if other teams get good wins, they should jump teams that aren't playing. But I mean, it's it's tough, and they it, it like you said, it'll be be a challenge pretty quickly once they're back. Yeah, I think. Um... And now you're just trying to stack up wins as much, especially when you got the tournament. You got uh, tournament time coming up next month. Uh, Scary to think about. You're starting to run out of time. That's pretty much what it boils down to. And yeah, I, I doubt these games are going to get uh, made up. That's just kind of my opinion because they really don't have really any place to put them at this point, too, as well. Um, so now you're running out of time, and uh, and God forbid, like you don't have another shutdown, and then. Now your question: Do you have enough games to get in, even to get into the tournament at that point? But yeah, I definitely think that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really a tough situation for. I feel bad for the players. Uh, definitely all involved too, as well. Uh, a second shutdown too, as well. Uh, but yeah, they definitely still have some. Luck. Fortunately for them, they still have some games where they're still able to make up some ground and get some quality wins against Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech too, as well. They got another game against North Carolina, who's been really playing really well as of late too, as well. So yeah, they, they still have some quality games too as well, where they'll be able to pad their resume um, headed into the ACC tournament, whatever that kind of look like come March. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, be be keeping an eye on that. I mean, the weird thing to look at now, I'm looking at the schedule. They've played eight ACC games or six and two. They have seven left on the schedule if none get added. So because of these two shutdowns now, they are past the halfway point in terms of number of ACC games on their schedule, unless more were to get added. And truthfully. Unless they added a second midweek, or unless they did kind of a a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday type thing, then I don't see where a game's getting added because they don't really have a a layoff period. They're pretty standard. Like in the, they have one break of five game 
five days between games, but other than that, they're 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 looking at three day three day four day layoffs. So I mean, it's just not a schedule that doesn't look like it presents, like you said, much chance to make these up. Um, I think that'll that'll do it for us uh, here on the Null Sports Podcast. We uh, appreciate you for uh, for listening. You can by means please follow all of our work, me and Antoine both at the uh, at Tallahassee.com, nullsports.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kurt, C-U-R-T-M-Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R. Antoine, you're, you want to spell it out? Uh, yeah, I'm at Antoine Staley, A-N-T-W-A-N-S-T-A-L-E-Y at Twitter. Yeah, if you could, if you don't already, please subscribe to the pod. We'll have plenty of uh, more content over the coming months. I mean, it may be football offseason now. We may be before spring practice, but we've, there's still plenty to talk about about football, clearly. Plenty to talk about with all the other sports going on and and plenty going on. So we'll have uh, plenty more in the weeks and months to come. Thanks for listening.